Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sherlock. Sure listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock. Sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Very good and very exciting, Benjamin. Benjamin, we don't have time for messing this week because we're under a deluge of summertime trailers, including, but not limited to, the new Spanish version of Bird Box, or as it's known in Spain, Bird Box. Also, Sympathy for the Devil, Nicolas Cage is back. What time is he doing? What's he doing this time? He's Nicolas Cage. Expendables 4... No one asked for that, but apparently Megan Fox is in it. And Good Omens 2, which Megan Fox sadly isn't in. And we've had the very sad and very upsetting final trailer for the final ever season of The Witcher, The Witcher Season 3, the final season of The Witcher. As well as all that, Benjamin, you have taken a deep dive, one of your famous deep dives into the cesspool of the internet, and you've come up with a hashtag, hashtag, comics broke me. Very good, Michael. Uh, sure, listen, if that wasn't enough, and it is, we're actually chock-a-block this week. We don't need a topic. But we've got one anyway, ladies and gentlemen, because here at Sherlock sure Listen, we bring you everything you want and don't want at the same time. Yeah. That's our secondary uh, That's our secondary tagline. It's just underneath the first one. You just can't see everything it. Everything you want, comic book news. Everything you don't want, syphilis. Syphilis. Oh, dear. Ladies and gentlemen, we're also going to be taking a look at Flashpoint Retrospective. This week is the release of The Flash. And for better or worse, probably worse due to all the controversies surrounding it, we decided we'd take a look at one of the comics that's inspired the plotline in the extreme. We'll be taking a look at DC's 2011 comic book event, Flashpoint. One of the most seminal comic book events of recent years, Benjamin. But perhaps, perhaps not as seminal as the 2019... 2020? 2021? Sandra Bullock fronted Netflix original Bird Box. Michael. What is it? Michael, there's an absolute cheek on this trailer. Go on, what is the cheek? The cheek of this trailer, Michael, is that it calls it the return of the international phenomenon. Bird Box. Michael, hold the fucking phone. Okay, it's held. It's held it. Was this an international phenomenon? Did Bird Box come out during COVID when people were just stuck inside and they could do nothing and the idea of some sort of spooky, creepy alien thing was just like, give it to us, hook it to our veins? Maybe, maybe. I think that's the most likely way that this became an international phenomenon. Mm. Yeah, it was like um, a quiet place, but with seeing. But yeah, exactly. But now... You've got no vision, mm. uh, or vision, as the as Spanish would say. Come here to me. What is it? Michael, why did this need a sequel? It's not a sequel. That's probably the only thing worth noting about this. Well, I it's not a sequel. None of the characters are returning, as far as we can tell. Well, I think they all, spoilers for a movie that came out during COVID, I think they all kicked the bucket. Did they? Did Sandra Bullock survive and her little daughter and one of the birds or both of the birds, the the eponymous bird boxes? Yes, it was very important. There were lots of birds, if memory yeah, serves. I've never seen it, Michael. I don't know. Well, you're not allowed to see it, Ben, because if you see it, then the aliens get you. 
if you remember. Yeah, so perhaps, perhaps, Michael, what? you could shed some light on this for me because very somebody good. says in a very accented English phrase, these creatures are changing. Yes, this is the bird box. What, what were they? What I know they drove people to kind of suicidal ideation. Was that? Was that no, the... not suicidal ideation. Basically, if you cop a look at them, as the Australians would say, yeah. if you cop a look at them, you do a big suicide. Oh, no. Yeah. So do you remember plants? Plants make you do a suicide. What was that called? Mished. No. Oh, no, even worse. That was the happening. The happening. Do you remember? So in the happening, plants make people do suicides. But yeah. in this, it's looking at an alien makes you do a suicide. Now, are they aliens? Yes, I think they were aliens, yeah. Right. So right. everyone's walking around with blindfolds on going, oh, if I don't see them, then they won't get me. But also, I think they could just get you. They could just, you know, classically get you. That's... Michael, that's too many plot armors spoil the broth. So, the thing was, Sandra Bullock had to get her kids across the country or whatever. I don't know. I don't care. But what <laughs> the only thing that's interesting about Bird Box Barcelona is that it's not a sequel. It's a, a new movie set in the same event, but in a different location on the planet Earth. In this case, Barcelona. In Barcelona. 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 Welcome back to It's Set in Barcelona, the new <laughs> podcast where we look at all the movies set in Barcelona. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to watch this. Michael. <laughs> no, you probably won't. If you didn't see the first one, you probably won't. But I kind of like this idea of don't follow it up as a direct sequel. If you like your little concept that you came up with, do a new movie in the universe with the threat but not a direct sequel. Oh, to be a fly on that boardroom wall, Michael, where they were like, we were very successful in with Bird Box. Why don't we make a sequel to that? And there were several Gen Z kind of middle management types going, who's going to tell him it was COVID? I'm not telling him it was COVID. He's in the middle of a divorce. <laughs> I'm going to lose my fucking job. <laughs> He's got that second house in Barcelona. Maybe if we just set it in Barcelona, then it'll be fine. <laughs> But this has got to be on the tales of them cracking down on password sharing, where they're like, let's go back to the hits. And they're like, sir, you are the man who made the decision to crack down on our USP. The original selling point of our entire service was watch anywhere you want whenever, not watch on one device in one house or we'll get you. Yeah, you cheapskates. Benjamin, (laughs) here's the thing, though, right? Here's the big thing. This seems to be, this is brewing. Everyone wants this. Everyone wants a franchise where they can do a Bird Box a Barcelona and then next week they can do Bird Box Cardiff and then the week <laughs> after that they can do Bird Box Mumbai and they can do Bird Box Joburg. Everyone wants that. Don't know if you're intentionally doing this, but you have just pitched three possible spin-offs that are far more interesting than Bird Box Barcelona. What's wrong with Bird Box Barcelona? I would love to see Bird Box Barcelona. Bird Box Cardiff has a, has a ring to it, though. It's very nice. <laughs> oh, fuck it? off, you alien bastards. Get away oh, from me. Go on, away bastards. with you. Away they've with you. They've only gone and got Dave. They've, oh, they've got Dave and Gwyneth. Oh, not and Gwyneth. Gwyn- not Gwyneth. Ben, what are we doing? We're doing a bit on Welch. Never do a bit on Welch. What's next? It's actually called a Welch rarebit. It's a lovely sandwich. Very good. Come here. Come here what to me. It? Michael, I'm going to pitch a movie to you. Okay. 
in a classic conceit that we do here. And you're okay. going to tell me what the what? movie is. Okay. Um, Michael, I... Is it, a- Ben? Is it? Is it um, the one with Tom Cruise? <laughs> Fuck you. Is it the one with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx? I hate have, showing you have my I notes. ruined your bit? You or, ruined my notes. Feckin' great. No, I didn't even read it. I can't read it. It's, it's too right small. It's right there on the notes, you fuck. It's too small. I can't read it. Collateral. Yeah, Collateral from 2004. Do, the bit, bit was going to be, Michael, I'm a down-on-my-luck do cab driver who's just trying to do right by his family. And then a mysterious assassin type gets in the back of my car. And through hmm. his unscrupulous methods, I'm thrust into an underworld of chaos and double dealing. And I have hmm. to find some way not only to save my life, but to save my family too. Hmm. Sounds like Collateral. Sounds like 2004's Collateral. But this time, Michael, it's got Nick Cage. Oh, good. I hope it has Nick Cage and Joel Kinnaman. Yeah, it does. That's great oh, news, good. Michael. Sympathy <laughs> for the Devil got a trailer this week, Michael. Uh, Nick Cage being the eponymous devil in this particular case by by all by all accounts. And yeah, he gets into the back of this poor man's cab. It mm. is. It seems to be, Michael. Yes. It seems to be that he is convinced that Joel Kinnaman is one person. Right. Joel Kinnaman is claiming not to be the person that Nicolas Cage thinks he is. Yes. But is he? I bet he is. I bet he is. I bet you that's the twist, Michael. The whole thing, he's been like, no, 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 it's not me, Mr. Cage. And then that's a terrible Joel Kinnaman impression, by the way. I think I was trying to channel his famous line from Suicide Squad. Her sword steals the souls of your enemies. Yeah. You know, that that gem. Does it, though? Uh, Does it, though? Is that, was no, that confirmed? Is that canon? No evidence of that, Joel. Ben. Yes. This does not appear to be supernatural. I thought this looked supernatural, but it's definitely not. He's just a mentalist. He's just a mentalist, Michael. He's just a, there's all these neon colours and he's a bit mental. Yeah. So Nicolas Cage is really undergoing kind of renaissance. Get in the cage is what I like to call it. Get in the very, cage. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Anyway, look, we'll probably give it a watch. As is Look, want. There's, there's not much to be said on it, Michael. They've ripped off a concept from 2004. But come here. Come here to me. Did you what? know that Jamie Foxx is on life support with a life-threatening injury? Is he? Yeah, he's he's not doing well. What's, is this a bit? No, no. This is this is factual. Um, Jamie Foxx is currently in a medically induced coma and may never come out of it. What has happened to him? He had an accident. Oh, no. Yeah, it's fucking awful. Like, it's a genuinely weird kind of thing. But yeah, no, Jamie Foxx is, is not doing great. Oh, that's terrible. That's very sad to hear. Yeah, it's very sad to hear, isn't it? We like Jamie Foxx here at the podcast. Uh, I like Jamie Foxx here at unless the podcast. Unless anything comes out about him, Ben, in the next couple of weeks. Ben, this is apropos of nothing, but I've just got a text. Go um, on. You know, if there's nothing we love more than uh, rumour mongering here on the podcast... But apparently, have you muted yourself? No, you haven't muted yourself. I'm You're... mouthing there's no text to my goals. It's a conceit. No, it's not. I have just got a text, man. <laughs> I have just got a text. I'm there's, your only mate. What do you mean? There's sexual abuse allegations against Namor. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tina. Yeah, Huerta. What's his name? Yeah, so <laughs> Kevin Feige was just settling back into life post- Jonathan Majors. Post Jonathan Majors going, oh, fuck, all right. Well, I suppose, you know, in the space of a, a, a nearly 20-year franchise, a few hiccups are 
are to be expected. You know, mm. a few muck-ups here and there. And to be fair, we've done very, very well. And then, Michael, there was a knock at his door. Would you like to know who it was? Who was it? Hubris. Oh, was it hubris? Oh, that old bitch. Hubris <laughs> came to his door and he said, Kevin, you look very relaxed. Yes. And Kevin started to sweat a little bit. He went, who is it? Go on, tell me. Tell me, you fucking bitch. <laughs> Who's <laughs> done something? Who's and done goes, something this time? You know that you know that excellent bit of diversity casting that's a bit of a ride and an all-round hit from the frankly mediocre Black Panther 2. And he went, mm. oh, not Tinoch Muerta. Muerta. Huerta. Huerta. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns out, bit of a bad egg. Oh, no. Well, it's only allegations, Ben, and we won't dig any further into it. We won't because... dig any further, but allegedly. Allegedly. Speaking of, though, digging no further into something, why are they making Expendables 4? Michael, Hold I on a second, the... Ben. <laughs> Hold on a second there. I've got 2012 on the line here. They're sending in a telegram. Hello, it's 2012 here. We really would like to see a sequel to the rather disappointing Expendables 3, but uh, with none of the big stars. Michael, I didn't know there was an Expendables 2 or 3. Did you not? No, I don't pay attention to these things, Michael. I, I have... I have um, A weekly pop culture podcast. But I also have male ego-driven project blindness, and I quite often confuse Fast <laughs> and Furious 18 with yeah. any of the Expendables. Yeah, 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 that's fair enough. Well, the good news is, Benjamin, the yeah. Expendables is back. Yeah. And it's got... Sylvester Stallone's in it. He's still in it. His name, he's still in it. He's Barney Stinson. Barney Rubble? Barney Stone. What's his name? I think it might be Barney Rubble. I think you might be on the money there. <laughs> might hey, be. Jason, we gotta go deal with this. <laughs> it's got Jason Statham with his best character name of all time, Lee Christmas. Lee Christmas is an excellent action movie name, I won't lie. Fabulous name. Top class. And it's got a, a kind of grab bag of other past their prime or never going to make it action stars. Michael, the tagline for this is old blood meets new. And that's a great way to cover up the fact that all your famous rich action star friends were like, do you know what? Four is a stretch. I'm out. Yeah. Arnold's not coming back. Bruce Willis isn't coming back. Dolph Lundgren will come back. He'll probably be there. He is. Terry Crews. We see Mr. Cruz. I don't know. But Jason Statham is in it. Yeah. Randy Couture, whose career has otherwise gone nowhere, is in it. Oh, yeah. And it has um, every, every balding 40-year-old martial arts man's ultimate dream sexy lady to have a sexy fight with, Megan Fox. I was going to do a, a very a very mean bit if you had said every single martial artsy bald man in his 40s is like, did you not pick up your phone or... That's going to be very mean. Oh, that would be very mean. Yeah, it would have although, been very mean. Although, Benjamin, I don't think, for all of our mockery, I don't think I could take a comparison to Jason Statham as an insult. I don't think you could, in no, fairness. You if you were If you were getting Jason Statham comparisons, Michael, you'd he be doing all one, right. He is one of the world's most handsome bald martial arts men who's too old th- to be doing it. I think he might be the most handsome. <laughs> I think he might be. He's kind of our lord. Yeah, so he's uh, he's apparently um, riding the ever-loving Christ out of Megan Fox in this, um, because the trailer is 90% the two of them. But That's what I was going to say. <laughs> it's very rare that you see in this day and age a trailer which is just, do you guys want to see Megan Fox doing a sexy fight? Is that what? Would you be interested in that? Because we've got it and some other shit. 
some other padding. But we've got Megan Fox and Jason Statham fighting, but in a sexy way, and then getting it flirt on. Fucking, you, f- fight yeah. fucking, fight flirting, I don't know what you call yeah. it. Um, it's your favourite film, Daredevil, 2003's Daredevil, but you thought that the sexy playground fight didn't go far enough? Well, we've got a film for you. I think we both know that the sexy playground fight in Daredevil went too far. <laughs> no, it didn't. Not according to the producers of The Expendables 4. This time, <laughs> Megan Fox is in it. So, yeah, Michael, the other, the rest of it is shrouded in mystery. It's basically, I've got a thing I have to deal with. And yeah. Lee Christmas goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck, we'll deal with it. But first, I'm going to fucking fight with fucking Megan Fox. One of the unfortunate things about... Jason Statham lately is that um, <laughs> Ted Lasso has stolen his thunder with Roy Kent and oh, cool. if you watch Ted Lasso Roy Kent is basically Jason Statham before Roy Kent so it used to just be oh fuck and then you go and be a badass about it but now it's pastiche because Roy oh, Kent no. has stratospherically risen to like all time top class comedy character oh poor Jason Statham what is he going to do whatever will he do He'll have to have a sexy fight with Megan Fox. He's doing very well, Michael. He's still getting relative franchises, but he does a real grab bag of kind of popular projects and empty projects. It's really interesting. Jason St- I would love to have a chat with Jason Statham's manager. Yeah, or just Jason Statham. We'll ask him about diving. We'll ask him about going out with Kelly Brook. We could ask him about fighting Megan Fox, every man in their 40s dream. Yeah, his time with Donald Sutherland as the mechanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could ask him about being in the Fast and Furious films without Megan Fox. Yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Do you think that in real life, Megan Fox will try and steal him from his partner, Rosie Huntington-Whiteley, the same way she stole Transformers from her? I'd imagine there's probably a little bit of behind-the-doors thievery going on, yeah. Very good, Benjamin. That's what I'd do. Yeah, I know it is. That's why you're not yeah. allowed in any franchises. Benjamin. Nope, not a one. Yeah. Speaking of David Tennant. One. Good Omens 2. I didn't watch this trailer. I've no I've no I've no segue. You do it. There's a fun little go on, have a look there. Have a look at my notes. I'll let you I'll let you lead the charge on this one. The first note will give you everything you need to know. Is John Ham in it? <laughs> he is, yeah. I just have, ladies and gentlemen, the ham with a qu- with the, <laughs> with an exclamation mark in place. And uh, yeah, John Hamm is in it again with along with Michael Sheen and David Tennant. And it looks like, Michael, we're getting a classy bit of angel fucking fuckwittery. That's what we're getting. Benjamin, would you say that John Hamm, the charismatic John Hamm, is the only man who's charismatic enough to get in between the Tennant and Sheen sandwich? Like, don't, it, in terms of actual screen presence, no. Ben. Um, yes. Ben. Would you say that John Hamm is the only oh, man with the charisma no. to get in the Tenant and Sheen sandwich? Oh. A real ham sandwich sort of no, situation. I'm a fool, Michael. <laughs> Michael, I'm a fool. Yeah, uh, you thought I was asking for your opinion, but I was just doing a joke. I took a serious stab at what you were saying. What a fool. <laughs> what an absolute fool. Oh, I should know better than try to be serious on this podcast of all things. <laughs> Come on, sorry. Tell us about oh, acting. What a fool, Michael. Oh. You I may never recover. Hurt, yeah, I may never recover. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting a sequel to Good Omens. Now, this is uncharted territory for the franchise, Michael, because this is based on a book by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Yes, I've heard of it. Way back in the day, Michael. And season one was a roaring success. People loved it. To the point now, personally, I think that David Tennant 
and Michael Sheen's shoulders must be awful sore. Okay. Because they've they lifted that franchise mm. about a quarter of a mile over the finish line. Mm. They did very well. It's really about them, and I think it's it's no surprise that the second season is going to be fully zoned in on them as the plot point. So what happens, or what seems to happen from the trailer, Michael, is that the Archangel Gabriel, played by one yeah. ham sandwich, yes, goes missing. Oh, where is he? He it turns out he's in Michael Sheen's bookshop. Oh. But anyway, and heaven and hell are going to have a war because, you know, there's a missing archangel and that's a big deal. And mm. da, 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 da. But yes. it it looks to be, we didn't get too much in it, Michael. We just got some classic sexual tension between the old Dave and Mike situation, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And we got a little bit of shenanigans with magic. And there, there looks to be a new additional character, Michael, another angel who's coming in. She's going to play the the fun kind of, Comedic relief slash intrepid earnest newbie. Oh, very good. Okay. So she's coming in. She's going to do a bit of that. It'll be grand. I'd say it'll be a good time. And this whole thing is set in Barcelona, is it? It's all set in Barcelona. Nothing to do with Sandra Bullock from the first Good Omens. Yeah. A completely new set of characters. David Tennant has a lisp. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Hola, soy David Tennant. Uh, uh, yeah, so it, it look, it's going yeah. to be all about the chemistry of Tennant and Sheen. There's no doubt about it. That's what sold us on it in the first place. Hopefully, we'll get more flashbacks to them kind of working together throughout history. That seemed to be everybody's favorite part, anyway. I, I don't really know it, Ben. Is there a second book? No, no. So, this so is a where are they coming up with this? Neil Gaiman has helped them co write the screenplay. Oh, that's encouraging. That is very encouraging. Neil Gaiman has been uh, a central factor in this throughout the process. However, I do what? feel, what do you I do feel? feel you're going to be lacking that Terry Pratchett whimsy that mm. really sold Aziraphale and Crawley in the first one. Yeah, that could be it. At least it's not being written by Netflix writers, though, Ben. Uh, nothing's being written by Netflix writers at the moment, Michael. They're still on strike. Yeah, no one's allowed to write anything, including Ryan Reynolds isn't allowed ad lib in Deadpool three. One of my favorite little tidbits of news. You think, that must be that must be Michael like cutting his Achilles tendon. He must be limping around that set like a lost puppy, going a zinger, and everybody's like, "Stop it, Ryan! No zingers! No zingers! No zingers!" Unless you're popping down to this week's sponsor, KFC. No zingers for you. Wrap it up. Ben. Yeah. Benjamin. Yeah. Won't it be sad to see the third and final season of The Witcher? Probably not. Season three. I don't think that the final season where nothing's going to happen after at all at all, because why would anything happen after season three, the final season of The Witcher? The final and last remaining season of the hit beloved show, The Witcher. Ben. Yeah. The Witcher season three seems to be probably what Netflix would have wanted the whole time. In that this looks like it's going to be the closest that we're going to get to an adaptation or adaption, depending on which word you prefer, of The Witcher 3, the game The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. Which is really where they signed up in the first place. Exactly. It's taken them three years to get to where they probably wanted to start. Also, a bit late. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone hates it now. No one watches it anymore. They've lost their star. Everyone's dreading Liam Hemsworth. Everyone's dreading Liam. Like, my sphincter genuinely tightens a little bit when you say Liam Hemsworth as The Witcher. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's absolutely bonkers. But the most exciting thing I think that happens in this trailer is we see the Wild Hunt. For three quarters of a second. Benjamin, who are the Wild Hunt? Well, it depends on on which iteration you choose to take it from, but technically it is a... An ancient English folklore concept. It then, okay, it's kind of a cross-border myth. The Wild Hunt are a mythical manifestation of man's need to hunt. Um, they've popped up in a few different things in English mythology. It's Hearn the Hunter, and he leads a pack of roving hunters through the glen, and they kind of destroy things. There's a Scandinavian equivalent in the form of no, it's going to escape me. It's going to escape the wild hunt. No, no. There's a parallel for Odin, who many people confuse. It's not Tyr. It's... Ah, oh, doesn't matter. There's a Scandinavian equivalent as well. I would imagine, given that they're in the Witcher books, there's probably a Slavic equivalent. Mm. But I'm not but- sure what it is, and I don't know what it's called, Michael. However, in the Witcher universe, Michael, this all comes from the convergence of the spheres. Oh, I've done that. Yeah, that's not when you press your butt cheeks together. It's not. Oh, that's what I thought it was. Excuse yeah, me. no, that's not it. That's that's the clasping of the spears. Um, <laughs> that's slightly different. But in the Witcher terms, the Wild Hunt is let loose to capture Siri because she has something to do with the next convergence of the spheres. Oh, and they say, go and get Siri. Go and get Siri. Um, but those are, yeah. So I, the whole twist on the Witcher, Michael, is that it turns out it's a multiverse. Of one oh. kind or another. And yeah, it's it's kind of weird. It's it's kind of lost the run of itself, Michael. I remember watching season two and going, what do you mean? What, what's, what's going on? Season two is very odd. Season three appears to be getting the gang back together. Michael, Michael, come here to me. Come here what to me. It? This is what? very on PC of me to say, but Yenskir is looking fucking rough. What do you think's happened to him? His hairline, Michael, it's gone. that's easy for you to say you (laughs) son of a bitch if Jason Statham was here he'd do a high kick and he'd have me on my ass in seconds Michael he would kick that luxurious toupee straight off the top of your head it cost me a fortune I bet you it did each each and every one of those Istanbul hairs Ben um, they seem to have gotten what they wanted, though. They've got to team up with all the main characters. They've got Siri being a badass and maybe yeah. the main, the real main character. They've got uh, the Wild Hunts coming to get you. Probably would have been well received if it was season two. If the real I, season two hadn't happened in the middle. Yeah, it's a shame about that season two getting in the way in the middle. Mm, the real season two. Ugh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it... They didn't even really define why they wanted Siri so badly. In the game, Michael, um, the the Wild Hunt is, is a group of spectral riders, and they they have lots of different names. They're they're known as the Wraiths of Morhog, um, and they are an omen of war and misfortune. But they go about enslaving special people so they can serve the Alder Folk. So we we haven't heard anything about the Alder Folk, um. But they have a they have kind of a ring wraith vibe to them because they're formed by elves coming from different worlds. Um, yeah, yeah. 
and the the wild hunt are actually elves that weren't ended by humans so it's a it's a weird thing and it's their job to transport to different worlds and capture the humans with special blood that live there um, and they bring the people back and use them as slaves oh that's no use yeah no good no good but apparently princess siri has the best magic blood of all that's true she does she and, is the best character yeah and now <laughs> they want them back they okay. want her to to not join the wild hunt to be just a slave I don't they want to get her they're coming to get her but the good news is that according to the trailer bloody henry cavill isn't going to let them get siri he's also doing a bit of a roy kent impression these days <laughs> fuck. Oh, fuck fuck get away ben, from siri get away from her you fuck <laughs> i'll fucking give you i'll high kick that toupee right off your fucking edge you tosser <laughs> i didn't know they were from wales ben what's all this comics broke me stuff we're hearing about yeah so um this this comes from a kind of sad place michael okay um let's uh let's take a breath then and uh okay we'll take a breath and probably yeah. defiz ourselves a little okay. bit here um so a bit of a trigger warning up the top here michael uh, this references the death of a young creative and the suspected cause of that death was the successful completion of suicide okay. um so it's it's a bit harsh but ian mcginty who was an independent comic book creator uh, passed away this week at the age of 38 and if you're a fan of comic book adaptations of popular cartoons, Michael, you would be very familiar with McGinty's work. Um, I'm not, Ben. Okay, so he illustrated certain uh, issues of Invader Zim for Nickelodeon. He was involved okay. in Adventure Time comic books quite a bit. Um, Bee and Puppycat, which was another very popular uh, Cartoon Network short that came out, I don't know if you remember the Federator cartoons a couple of years ago, Bravest Warriors, things like that. No, Being Puppy Cat is Okay, that's fine. Um, Bravest Warriors, he illustrated quite a few of those. Um, and he worked for quite a few other um, publishers as well over the years. And he was a freelancer that would be brought in to do certain runs and stuff like that. And he took his life, Michael, or sorry, suspectedly took his life this week and many people are blaming it on the rigors of the comic book industry oh go on so he was apparently a very beloved figure um and he was very very popular among the comic book community such is the outpouring of kind of tributes to him and the birth of this new hashtag that's doing the rounds on Twitter. Hashtag comics broke me. Um, so comics broke me is a series of creators from around comic books, uh, sharing their stories of the difficulties of working in the comic book industry. Now, Ben, I'm very sorry at the time of a tragedy and like someone dying at the age of 38, no matter what the cause of death, is a tragedy. Yes. But perhaps even more so if it was suicide. Um, at, the age, at the young age of 38, Benjamin, even too young to attract Megan Fox. She's only interested in balding men in their 40s. Yes. So, um, isn't every creative industry very hard to break into and make a living on? And essentially built on exploiting the services of the lower paid and paying exorbitant 
fees, incredible piles of money to the famous and successful. Yeah, I think there's there's no doubt that that is the case. Uh, that all creative industries are built on exploitation. I, I think, okay. especially exploitations of the creative mind. A lot of a lot of creatives attach themselves to the idea that they've come up with, and they're very in love with it. It's a passion project, and they will jump at the chance to get it published, or just to get their foot in, or just like, to get their foot here. in the door. Come on over here and work a crippling work week for 20 years to get your foot in the door. Oh, you're 45 now and you're still on the, you're still an unknown. Oh, you mustn't have got your foot in the door enough. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a lot of that going on, Michael. And I I think, no doubt that it's difficult in any industry, but certainly what we've been finding out from these tweets, Michael, is that things are possibly a little bit worse than we would have thought. Um, uh, okay, go on. In the comic book industry, it, it certainly seems like the exploitation is astounding. Now, we, we know that there have been attempts made over the years, Michael, at, at addressing that imbalance. Image Comics was born on the back of comic book exploitation. Um, yeah. it, it was 100% a response to the predatory practices of Marvel and DC at that time. Yeah, big comics as we call them. Big comics, yeah, the big two at the time, Michael. And many people have come forward very, very recently uh, in the wake of this tragedy and begun to share those stories. So it's quite interesting to see independent comic book artists established uh, comic book artists and writers like Gail Simone, Neil Gaiman coming forward and sharing the difficulties of their um, things and also some of the predatory practices. So we've seen things from different creators like weaponized gratitude is is very much employed by the comic book industry. You should be thankful you get to do this. You're lucky to even make a page rate. You're lucky to be writing on this title, you know, that kind of mm. thing. It's all labor, yeah. Michael. Do you know what I mean? They're not lucky to do anything. They're providing a service. So perhaps the publisher is is lucky to have them. Other people are publishing the diminishing returns in the comic book industry. Uh, one comic book creator, Michael Justin Giampoli, I think is his name. Mm, go on. He came forward and he has put out his earnings from comic books um, with regards to the royalties that he gets on one of his comics. So he writes things like DMZ. DMZ is a very popular Vertigo comic, or was when it was out. Um huge and he said in 2015 he received twelve thousand four hundred and seventy dollars in 2016 that dropped to two thousand one hundred and thirty five dollars in 2017 one thousand four hundred again and again and again and again dropping 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 um where it reached an all-time low of 205 dollars in 2020 now michael go on as you said um you know perhaps there are worse things out there in terms of exploitation. And that's certainly been noticed, Michael, by many of the 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 fervent kind of pains in the ass of the comic book industry. Those who were part of Comicsgate. I don't know if you remember Comicsgate. Do you remember Comicsgate? No, I've blocked it from my mind. Yeah, that's fine. So a lot of those people have come forward and, you know, there are counter tweets to this. Where, well, Ben, yeah. I think you have to. You have to think, though. 
it is the publishers, the brave publishers, who are putting other people's money on the line to get these comics published. So these ungrateful writers really do owe it to those brave, brave capitalists in the publishing industry to work for free. Yeah, all right, Mick. Because it's the, bra- it's the brave, brave publishers who are taking the risk, Ben. Now, not with their own money, mind, with other people's money, but they are taking that risk. And it, should it not be upon the, he who takes the risk falleth the reward? Uh, no, that's not how it works, Michael, because those larger brave capitalists have safety nets in place, Michael, and they will recover from a loss. The independent creator that has their reputation tarnished on a bad run or has their work kind of edited out of existence, so to speak, will not recover in the same way that a large-scale corporation that can protect itself and has potentially massive cross-multimedia deals in place to continue earning profit regardless of what happens is ridiculous. Mm. Brave Brave capitalists. Brave, brave capitalists, Michael. Fuck them. Anyway, come here to me. Come here to me. What is it? There's been what an outpouring it? on both sides. Some people saying it's ridiculous that people are complaining. Other people saying that it's pathetic that comic book artists are, are claiming exploitation. You know, it's not real work. So there's a, there's a lot of bitterness on both sides. The one thing that I think has become very clear in the wake of Ian McGinty's death and hashtag comics broke me is that the comic book publishing industry needs to take a serious look at its practices and contracts. Now, whether that happens or not, Michael, is beyond hmm. me. As as the famous Gillian Welch song says... Yes, go on. Someone figured it out. We're going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So why not make all the money? Brave, brave capitalists. Brave, Benjamin. brave capitalists. Go on. Speaking of the brave, brave capitalists over yeah. at DC... Um, They've really pumped a lot of money into promoting this new Flash film. And it really seems that this film should have been called Flashpoint. So my question to you is, who even is the Flash and who are his most popular villains? Yeah, so (laughs) that's a good question, Michael. We put out a little poll today, Michael, on the Instagram. As we so often do, ladies and gentlemen, and if you go and follow the Instagram right now, ladies and gentlemen, yep. you too could get a little shout out on Shalukshalisten, the podcast that takes a pop of culture. And we asked the lads over on the interwebs yep. and we said, yep. which Flash film do you want to see in a film version? Yeah. My answer, gave... my personal answer, Ben, was none of them. Yeah, because you don't understand the Flash, Michael. Yeah, maybe you could help me. You thought it was a stripper. I thought it was about a man who goes to the park and just shows people his willy. It's not. Although one of his villains might do that. But we gave them four choices, Michael. We gave them Captain Cold, which we got one excellent response from Nine Wassies on. It's like, what, did they run out of creativity that day? They must have. He's very cold. <laughs> we got the Mirror Master. Yeah. Another probably bottom of the barrel scraper there. We got Reverse Flash. Mm-hmm. And we got Gorilla Grodd. The closest one to a character. Surprisingly, the most unique name on the list. But, Michael, we got a few votes on it. And the number one one that people would like to see is Captain Cold. Leonard Snart. Leonard Snart. Famously played by your man off prison break in the Flash CW series. Wentworth Miller. Wentworth Miller. Very, very good. Um, And we asked people who they think should play them. Neil Patrick Harris from good friend of the podcast, Cron, was an excellent shout, I thought. That's a good shout. That's a good shout from Cron. A very good shout from Cron. And then one, one 
bloody good lady friend. Yes, who? Of the podcast said Gorilla Grodd. Oh, yeah. And she thought that Tom Hiddleston should voice him. Tom Hiddleston. And I think that's a great show. That's from your good lady friend, Mick. Is it? It is. Which one? It is. Oh, you're for that. <laughs> Very good. I'll edit I didn't know he was going to say that, good lady friend of Mick. I didn't know. I'll, I want no part out. in this. I'll edit that out later. Benjamin. Yeah. What's Flashpoint? Come on. What's Flashpoint is, is, is it? it? What Flashpoint. even is it? Oh, Jesus. I'm wearing headphones, Michael. Calm yourself. <laughs> what is it? Christ. Flashpoint is a 2011 comic book crossover story published by DC Comics. Um, so, it's about The Flash, as you might have guessed, Michael. Yeah. Flash it was written point, by, yeah. love him or hate him, Jeff Johns. And it was penciled by Andy Kubert. Oh, from the famous Kubert School. From the famous Kubert School. Son of, I can't remember, I think it might be Adam Kubert, but I'm not sure. Adam. Quite I think famous. it's Kubert. Kubert is the little, Kubert is the little guy who's on the pyramid and he goes, boop, boop, boop. Do you want to do the last bit or are you going to give my OCD an aneurysm? Thank you very there's much. Some, there's some older listeners, Ben, who's just gotten a real sense memory there. And oh, yeah? Gone, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off and play Cubert. You go off and play Cubert. Yes, go on. And anyway, the so the Flash wakes up. Yeah. No. Well, don't read ahead of my notes, you fuck. Um, I've read it. So one day, Michael, the Flash wakes up and it's Barry Allen. Classic Flash. Yeah. Flash. Oh, I was having a little rest. And he goes, oh, like. God, what a what a good snooze that was. And then yeah. uh, all of a sudden his mother rings him. But hang on a second, Michael. I thought the reverse Flash killed his mother. I know. So did I. So did he. Oh. So did he. He's trying to figure all this out. He's just like, what the fuck's going on? So it turns oh. out, Michael. Yes. That Barry's memory begins to realign itself to an altered timeline. Everybody loves it. Do you mean a different multiverse? An altered timeline. Ah, that's what we call different multiverses in 2011. Yeah, because we haven't jumped on the multiverse bandwagon just yet. Okay. But Michael, Michael he's delighted, uh, you, as you would be when you find out your mother wasn't murdered by your own supervillain. Yeah, yeah. Great news all round for the speedster. Unfortunately, he then flicks on the news and he goes, oh, there's a World War II documentary on. And his father goes, no, Europe's in tatters. And it turns out, Michael, the bloody... Ben, now, we're just going to get comments. His father doesn't say that because his father's dead. His father is dead, yeah. Yes, so I've actually read it. His father's dead. His father died of a heart attack. Natural causes, but he didn't spend his life in prison. So Barry's like, oh yeah, that's grand. That'll do. That's a win. He kicked the bucket, but not behind bars. And that's all that matters. So his mother goes, (laughs) so silly. Europe's in tatters. (laughs) And what happens then, Michael, is we find out that Aquaman and Wonder Woman been tearing it up. Two pricks, like Jason Statham and Megan Fox. Because they're monarchists, Michael, and all monarchists are bastards. AMAP. Yeah, 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 yeah. Except those brave, brave monarchs who uh, <laughs> step up and rule the proletariat because they need to be ruled. Yeah, they need a firm hand on the leash, Michael, as you yeah. would say. Brave, um, brave monarchs. So anyway, Michael, as it turns out, 
Um, Barry realizes that he has made the decision to save his mother, and boy, oh boy, has he fucked the timeline. Oh, Ben, he fucked the timeline so hard. He fucked fucked the timeline so hard. It's like Megan Fox fucked Jason Statham. You could you could go to Pornhub right now, Michael, and type in <laughs> a hard, hard fucking. And top of the list would be Baron yeah. Allen's face going, oh, I fucked it. I fucked that timeline so good. Oh, <laughs> Speedster smashes timeline. You know, <laughs> like that. Ben, yeah, everything's awful. There's a world war. Europe's gone. Europe's gone. That might be the best bit I've ever had on this podcast. I think it was. It was pretty good. Europe's gone. It's just gone. It's gone. gone. It's just been decimated. There's no Superman. There's no Superman. Where the fuck is Superman? Where's Superman? The best hero is Cyborg. I know. Ugh. Ugh. Get out of here. Not because of his skin colour. No, Before we get any comments, because he's shit. Yeah, because he's shit and boring. Where's Batman? Where's Batman? Well, Batman is about. I know, I know, but Michael, where's Bruce Wayne? Oh, that's a good question, though. Oh, where the fuck is he? Now, obviously, Michael, the Flash decides that he's going to have to fucking figure all this out. Yeah. So he goes about the place and he starts to gather some information, Michael. And the US is on the brink of entering into the Atlantean Amazon War. Mm. And he's kind of recruited, Michael, by Batman. But I just said, where's Batman? Michael, in this universe, Batman's got guns. And not the usual yes. rippling muscellus. Yeah. He's got he's got some pistols. He's got, he's got pistols and he's got a red little symbol on his suit, Ben. And red eyes, Michael. Because it's Thomas Wayne, Michael. But he's dead. He's not in this timeline, Michael, because the timeline's been fucked. Oh, no, it got smashed. Scarlet Speedster his- finds his timeline stepsister stuck. Oh no, innocent timeline smashed by I feel like this is speedster. I feel like this is simultaneously our best bit, but also our nastiest bit. Yeah, we can't publish this. We're giving the we're giving the listeners the ache big time. Yeah. Uh but anyway, he goes around, he gets recruited into this battle as a speedster. He kind of runs into different heroes and he realizes just how much he's fucked up this timeline, Michael. It's pretty fucking bad. Um, so the kind of the, the denouement of all this, Michael, is a battle between Wonder Woman and Aquaman, the last great push. They're going over, they're going over the, over the edge, boys, over the yeah. edge. Um, and it's all kicking off, Michael. And then. What? The reverse flash pops up. Eobard Thawne. He's like, I'm here, guys. And he's like, oh, flashy boy, you fucked it. And the flash is like, no, no, I didn't. I didn't do this. Um, he assumed all along, Michael, that it was the reverse flash, but no, it's bloody Barry. Barry fucked it. Mm. And uh, he realizes this. And out of nowhere, Michael, Superman is found. It turns out he's been kept in an underground bunker by the US military. Oh, are they doing experiments and whatnot on him? They're doing experiments and whatnot on him. And then they let him out, Michael. And yeah. uh, he pretty much does exactly what he did in Justice League, Michael. And he attempts to level the playing field. Go on. But it doesn't go very well. Right. Because he has no socialising because he's been kept in a bunker. He's never met a person even. He's never met a person, Michael. And when things get their fucking darkest, Michael, Barry Allen decides, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to run and fix this. Mm. But he doesn't want to, Michael, because his mum's alive. Yeah, he doesn't want to to go back and unsave his mum. Yeah, because that's a weird Sophie's choice. 
the famous Tony Braxton song Unsave My Mom. Unsave my mom. mom. Let her get killed again. By that yellow prick over there. Yes, very good. Unsave my mom. Out next week on Spotify. Yeah. From Sure Look, Sure Listen, the podcast making pop out of culture. Oh, I see what you've done there. So anyway, Michael, Barry merges with his earlier self and wakes up in a new DC universe. But Michael, Michael, here's the thing. What's going on now? Once you've fucked something. You can't unfuck it. You can't unfuck it. (laughs) Millions of married men around the world have woken up and gone, oh shit, my marriage... And would oh, give anything no. yeah. to unsmash the innocent timeline. But you can't. You can't. You can't, can't unsmash do it. it. And uh, Michael, he wakes up in a brand new DC universe. And this was the kickoff, Michael, for the new yeah. 52. Oh, 52 comics every week. 52 comics every week. I think it was for a while. I don't think that's actually... No, that was the idea. It was 52 comics. I don't think it was 52 comics a week. It was 52 comics a month. But no, no, I think it was never... 52 comics a week. I think you nailed it. That's too many comics. But it's no a very wonder. exploitative industry, Michael. Hashtag comics broke me. Hashtag comics broke me. Brave, brave capitalists. So, then, um, yeah. Yes, there is, there's some other mad shit going on. The Thomas Wayne thing, we've brushed over it, but it is fascinating that in this timeline, through whatever series of events caused Barry's mother to not be killed, also caused Bruce Wayne to get killed instead of Thomas. Yeah, not ideal. So Thomas Wayne, a.k.a. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, he goes mad and says, I'm Batman now. But his mother also goes mad. Yeah. And she becomes, she becomes the Lady Joker. Yep. Or as you call her, the Jokestress. Uh, that's not what I call her, but okay. That's exactly what you call her. Okay. For the purposes of today, I'm on board. <laughs> and that's like, there's a whole, there's like, what is it, 10 issues of that? Um, yeah, like, there's a lot of that. There's a sh- Absolute shitload of issues in this. This is a big crossover. It was There's huge. Like 70 comics or something like yeah, that. It was huge. Mm. Yeah, massive. And then when he when he remerged the timelines at the end, it was also DC's excuse to remerge in all of their various imprints. Yeah. So this is how the Wildstorm universe with the Authority and Planetary and all the Warren Ellis characters, Wildstorm and Wildcats... That's how they got reabsorbed back into DC or reab- or absorbed into DC. It's how Vertigo got absorbed back into DC. Just used a clean house, didn't they? They used it to clean house by having Barry save his mum. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, you've got the number here. 61 issues. 61 issue run, Michael, crossing over with Booster Gold. 16 separate three issue miniseries. And a mm. number of one shots beginning in June 11. The series ended with Flash number 12. Mad shit altogether. Mad shit, Michael. A very ambitious undertaking, which was hit and miss at the time, Michael, but seems to have been kind of recontextualized as a classic. Very much. I don't know if people see it as a classic, but funnily enough, despite the age of the Flash character, who must be 70 this year, is it? Flash I from the, think even, yeah, I'll have a look. It's Flash from the 40s? I'll have a look. Might be turning 80, the Jay Garrick version at least. But 
despite the fact that it was a bit of a big event and comic big comic events tend to not be great and you know it it had some cool ideas like Batman with guns and Martha Wayne Joker and Wonder Woman and Aquaman fighting but despite the age of the Flash character this has become the defining story of the Flash the Flash didn't have a defining story until 12 years ago when the Flash's defining story became going back and stopping his mum from getting killed and that ruining everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's only 67 years old, my Flash. Is he? Uh, this Flash, no, the, Barry Allen. That would be this Flash. That would be Barry Allen. 1956. Jay Garrick, Jay Garrick is yeah. the 40s, possibly the 30s. Yeah. So um, yeah. Anyway, look, that's it's kind of neither here nor there. Yeah. But this is the thing, Ben. What's the defining Spider-Man story? Uh, bloody Craven's last stand. No, it isn't, Benjamin. The defining Spider-Man story is Uncle Ben gets killed, and then with great power comes great responsibility. Bloody clones. No, it's not, Ben. It's it's Uncle Ben. It's Uncle Ben gets killed, and then great power comes great responsibility. Oh no, Gwen and- Stacy! I thought I saved her. Yeah, but he has loads. You see, this is a good point. Superman mm. is crash landing on Earth, and then the death of Superman probably are the two defining Superman. But Batman, Batman, it's just Batman. It's Batman's parents being killed and him becoming Batman. Oh no, but Bane broke my back. Bane, Bane broke my back. The son of a the bitch. Son of a bitch. I better get better and then give him a high kick kick right off his head. Ben, but The Flash didn't have a defining story until Flashpoint. Yeah. Oh, my mum is dead, but we never saw it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. My mum is dead. I think I think I killed her or an evil speedster traveled back in time to kill her. But that doesn't matter because that only really becomes interesting when I go back to stop it. Yeah. So despite this being only a 13-year-old comic, it's had a huge impact on... The Flash character and all of DC pop culture. Fucking massive, Michael. Fucking massive. Fucking mahusive, Ben. Mahusive. Um, so the, the big one here, Michael, is that it was the driving force behind the DC animated universe. Um, I don't know if that is the big one, Ben. The big one is that it's going to be, looks to be the plot of the upcoming The Flash. Yeah, fuck, mate. I haven't seen that one, so I can't talk about it. We haven't seen it. We're going to go see it this week. Shitbag. Jesus Christ. How the fuck am I supposed to do a podcast when you're over there? Oh, I have to have seen it to fucking talk about it in the podcast. Fuck you. It's a lot of swearing this week, Ben. Shut up. Reel <laughs> it in. Get out of my fucking face. Reel it in, Ben. Fuck you. you. low-paid creative. <laughs> Fine chance if I'd be paid at all. Yeah. You're lucky to get the chance to do this. <laughs> you just lick my boots and just be happy that you're getting the opportunity. Anybody and hears I'm any putting... tapping that sounds like the furious finger taps of a person on Twitter? It's just me. <laughs> and me, the brave, brave capitalist investing my capital, other people's capital, into... Ben, don't, look, let's not fight. <laughs> Come here. Flashpoint was the driving force behind the DC animated universe. Flash. Mm. Point became the driving force behind CW's Flash. Yes, it was the I, entire plot of season three. I would say, but even beyond that, Michael, time timeline shenanigans became a core part of the Flash. Yep, this is like it's hard to really overemphasize how integral to the Flash this is because before all of this, sure he could do time travel jazz, but that wasn't his thing. 
really like I, I really like imagining that you just said that line in a Matt Berry voice. This is time travel <laughs> time jazz. Time travel jazz. <laughs> um, Hells, anyway, bells. He could do time travel stuff, but after Flashpoint, it became the point of the Flash. Like if you go back to the nineties animated series, the Flash wasn't traveling back in time, left, right, and center, causing paradoxes. Mm. But now try and stop him, Ben. Yeah. Just try. Yeah. You can't. No, it, He's going to travel back in time before you leave and look at you. It's it's really funny as well because um, in the animated universe, we, we had always thought that the animated universe was unconnected, that we were just seeing various events from across the DC kind of canon of, of events. But hmm. it, it became somewhere around 2019, I think, we started seeing big tie-ins between... There was a Flashpoint animated film where yeah. we saw Eobard Thawne get shot through the back of the head by Thomas Wayne. Mm-hmm. And then we saw Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. And it turns out that the major antagonist in that is Eobard Thawne trying to stop himself from dying. So he's frozen himself in a kind of stasis to avoid dying from a big hole in the head. Yeah. And speeches what can do the, that. Yeah, one of the main ways to die. Um also, in, in the Flashpoint Paradox, the Flashpoint Paradox kind of set up that universe, which was then wrapped up in the recent Apocalypse War. Absolutely correct. Yeah, so it turns out in the end that uh, Flash gets another another dose of conscience. He's like, oh, I have to reset the whole thing. I have to go back. I have to run back. And he outruns yeah, a nuclear they, blast. They Is it a nuclear blast or is the world blowing up? I think it's the world, actually. I think you're right. I think the universe yeah, is done. Yeah, they fight Apocalypse. Apocalypse absolutely shit mixes them and kills half the heroes and... Wrecks them. Cy- get fucking wrecked. They get absolutely wrecked. Complete scrubs. And cyborgs end up in a wall and they have to release Trigon to fight Apocalypse. And that and- doesn't go very well for Trigon at all. I thought that would go better for Trigon, but it didn't. No, it does. Doesn't it? They they kind of fight to a standstill. Oh, they get... Oh, they, they do. They yeah, get a little a standstill. It's a draw. They do. It's a draw, You're yeah. right. You're right. Um, and then they go back to Earth and then all the parademons and there's a gross scene where the parademons come and kill all the Teen Titans. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? It's horrible. There's there's big hints at SA as well in it. Like there's there's weird the the Apocalypse War movie for a DC fan. It's a very harrowing experience. It's some of the most twisted punishments for heroes that I've ever seen. Mm, oh, they all come weird cyborgies as well, the ones who live yeah. weird cyborgy men. And it doesn't have a good end necessarily like there's no happy ending there's just oh i fucked it <laughs> this is awful and then they go here the flash can you go back and just undo it and he's like oh but it might be worse and they're all like couldn't really? <laughs> be worse than this look at robin he's in half look robin at, got chopped in half look at dick grayson he is mentally checked out he's a vegetable what have he's you done absolute- just go back in time, The Flash, and just undo this and we'll start a whole new clean slate of animated movies, please. One of the worst forms of plot resistance I've ever... Oh, it might be worse. Really? Really? The world's in tatters. Apocalypse is in yeah. charge. Really? Yeah. Everything's about to blow up. John Constantine is here. Yeah. What's and, wrong with John Constantine? He's just here. As soon as you see John Constantine, you're just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's the thing now. You can just reset. So maybe that's what they're going to do with this movie, Ben. Oh, well, I mean, that would make sense, wouldn't it? With James Gunn's arrival to kind of clean house, as it were. That seems to be what it is. And we have heard... One. We have 
we have heard an amazing amount of rumours about um, crossovers and cameos. The 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 level of which would make Spider Man into the not into the Spider Verse. Um, Spider Man No Way Home blush. The amount of bloody cameos we're about to get, Mike. Absolute. Apparently, it's absolute chaos of cameos, Ben, to the point where the ending has been blurred out in preview screenings so as not to spoil the cameos. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Oh my that goodness! Level of cameos. Yeah. Well, so, do you know what I'm looking forward to, Margot? What is it? Bloody Ezra Miller waking up and it not being Ezra Miller. No, very good. It'll just be Grant, wee little Granty Gustin. Well, I think it might be. I think that might be exactly what they do. It won't be. It'll be James Gunn's brother. <laughs> Sean Gunn it'll be Sean, Sean Gunn, Gunn it'll be Dave Batista or Michael Rooker yeah Michael Rooker as the Flash that would be great I'd love to see that ladies and gentlemen who would you love to see bloody Ezra Miller get rebranded as at yeah. the end of the Flash film you can get in touch with us in a few different places you can find us on the interwebs at com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com it means tiny room, but in Irish. It does. You can find us on Instagram at Sherlock Listen Podcast. It means Sherlock Listen in English. There's Let, a poll every Monday. There's a poll every Monday. You too could be part of pop culture history. Uh, yeah. Come here to me. Or you could do a big, you could do a big Bride O'Regan and uh, comment on the poll every week after we've already filmed. Thanks, Brian. We still appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Brian. Don't, still appreciate don't it. Don't listen but... to Mick's weird jab. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> weird and inappropriate jab. Don't, Go listen to Brian's uh, Culture Cast, though. They're very close to episode 100. Culture Cast is great. He's got, he's got a whole bunch of... Spit, he's got a whole bunch of cool shit happening. It's a whole thing. It's a whole yeah. production. Ladies and yeah, gentlemen, right. you can find yeah. us on TikTok, of all places. We've had a little spike in followership, Michael. We're very close to 100 followers on TikTok. 100 followers on TikTok. I we're know. huge. We're, we're like Charlie D'Amico. We're huge on TikTok, Michael. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. The best what? way, ladies and gentlemen... To, to really get in there and smash that timeline is yes. to get up on the Discord. <laughs> oh. oh, gross. Get up on the Discord with us, ladies and gentlemen. We're up there. We're chatting about pop culture. It's a great elf fucking time. Great time, yeah. Great time yeah. altogether. Yeah. That's it from us, ladies and gentlemen. Week? We'll be back What's next week. week We're talking about bloody Star Trek Nemesis. We'll probably change we that. We are. We're talking about Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> We're doing an exhumed episode on Nemesis. Oh, that's fabulous. Tom Hardy's in it. Tom Hardy's in it. Are you listening here, Picard, you fuck? You listen to me. I'm going to tell you. I'm young, Picard, and I'm a clone. I'll fucking spoil it again. Sorry, everybody. Spoiled a 20 year old movie, Michael. Uh, See you next week, so. See you next week.